Grace and peace and a prophet's reward. I'm Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave and the Prophet's Cave Institute of Prophetic Studies. Uh, this is uh, Developing Your Prophetic Gifting, Part 2. Uh, I want to say in these next 30 minutes that um, I'm going to veer a little bit off of uh, the topic um, about developing your prophetic gifting only for this moment because of the time that we are living in, many questions have come to pass in which uh, people have asked the question about uh, the church and racism in the church. Now, many, many years ago, I, I believed that uh, there, there couldn't possibly be racism in the church. I mean, I, I love all of my brothers and sisters, I did, when I was growing up, go to a predominantly African-American church. Um, I was a uh, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, Charismatic Word. I went to all of those churches. Um, however, the basis or the foundation of my Christian walk began with Catholicism. It was a church that my, my grandmother went to. I remember the big building in the halls. And then we went from there. I was baptized um, or christened uh, in the Catholic church. I was an altar boy in the, in the Protestant church. And then later on, I went to a Baptist church. That was my next step. When I was in those churches and I was a little kid, I remember seeing many, many other people that were not like me, white people. And so for me, it was normal. It was normal. And as I began to get a little older and we went to different churches, went to other churches, I began to see less white people and more just simply black people. And and I didn't see anything wrong with it. They looked like me, they walked like me, they talked like me, they lived in my neighborhood and all of the time that I moved around. So I, I didn't find it strange not to see any uh, other white people in church. I just thought, you know, as a child, in the mind of a child, that the only thing uh, was that they were doing whatever it is that they do, but they were loving God too. And as I got older, I began to, uh, I met several other Christian brothers and sisters and uh, the basis of our language when we spoke was basically, you know, hello, brother. And I, we knew that they, we love Christ and you love Christ. And we spoke about the Bible and we laughed and joked. And there was never any tension as long as we stayed within the confounds of speaking about the Bible. Now, one of the things that came up about uh, racism in the church uh, that boggled my mind was the very same people that loved me when I went in church and I sat alongside them and, and, and I've been ministering and, 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 and I've pastored and I've ministered for almost 30 years. And what's strange that the very same people that sit next to me, that talk to me, that shake my hand in church, there are those on both sides, black and white, that have issues with one another. We read the same Bible. We uh, praise the same God. 
Okay, we love the same God and we worship the same God. The difference is in the pictures uh, that have been put out there. Because as I grew up, I began to realize that the pictures that I saw on the wall in my grandmother's house and the pictures that I saw in the books that I read were not actually the pictures of Jesus because there was no way in the world that Jesus was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man that possibly uh, uh, looked like someone um, that grew up in the areas where we are. It's, it's just absolutely, it was impossible. And I had to study on that. And because of that, uh, I, I began to look at uh, the Bible more uh, from the perspective of, wow, he kind of looks like me. And then certain scriptures that I was shown uh, as I was growing up, um, I began to take to because, uh, you know, I am black but comely, O Lord. Okay, He had hair like wool and, and feet of brass. These things, in particular, when you exegete the scripture and you do not eisegete the scripture, tells you that his ethnic origins uh, were more um, Asiatic than anything. Now, I'm not going to speak anything that I don't know. I do know that he was not what we proclaim here in the United States as an African-American. Uh, it would be great if Jesus was, but he was not. Okay? He was Jewish, in fact, but he did have darker skin, more of an olive skin. He did not have straight hair. He had uh, more of a uh, uh, rough type of hair. It was, I don't know if it was curly, uh, more, um, you know, it, it wasn't straight. Let's put it that way. And, and, and his eyes were not blue, crystal blue. It was not blonde hair, things of that nature. So as I grew up and I began to learn these things, I began to identify more of who Jesus was in my life and in the life of the people around him. And I understood why with the inception and into interjection of Christianity into the American culture with slaves, why white people did what they did to empower themselves because you cannot control that which has a deity that looks similar to their to them and so i understood but here's the problem the problem i have is that many many individuals are still believing in this picture my problem is that many people uh though i don't believe that it's absolutely necessary um to proclaim what race he was because he died for all people, I do believe that the truth should be exposed and known to all people because if you desire to worship Jesus who in fact came, then wouldn't you want to identify the trueness of who he was and not somebody's ideology, uh, ideology based on their preconceived notions of Jesus looked like me? And other people say to me, well, it wasn't important. But for African-Americans in our culture, our situation and the systemic racism that has happened, it is extremely important. But that's not where I'm going with this. Let me tell you where I'm going with this. There are pastors that are still preaching that they do not desire for black people to intermingle in their congregations. 
There are pastors that are preaching that they do not want white people intermingling with their congregations. This is this is both black and white. There are pastors that are preaching that uh, black people's people are thugs and they're criminals. And there are people that are preaching that all white people are are, are part of the KKK and and that they are uh, that they're bad and they hate all black people. All of that is generalization and it is hateful nonsense that is being spouted and what it's doing it is majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors that's the problem and when it comes to racism in the very church of god there are people who refuse to learn what the bible was saying remember now what you i want you to remember this the children of israel were led out of egypt by moses they were what a mixed multitude a mixed multitude of individuals there weren't only jewish people there were many many other races that were together with the jews they were told they could come along the only thing that they were told that if they were going to be with them they had to worship like them that's the only thing that they were told now mind you moses married an ethiopian woman in which both miriam and aaron spoke against because he had married an ethiopian woman i believe this is in the book of numbers i either uh, numbers uh let's see numbers of deuteronomy i believe it was numbers and The Bible doesn't say that Moses had children with the Ethiopian woman, but I don't see how he could not have. Do you understand? Now that's a, that's a that's a jump, that's an immediate jump, so I'm not going to speculate on that. There would be there would have to be empirical data. Uh I would have to uh delve uh deeper into that before I begin to speak on it, so I would have to exegete that scripture and and dig 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 before I can actually come out with it. But here's my point. He married an Ethiopian woman. Where did she come from? She came from among the people that left Egypt. They were in Egypt. Egypt is in Africa. She was Ethiopian lived in Egypt. She was an Egyptian Ethiopian, a black woman. And because God led out a mixed multitude and he did not differentiate between them and his children except he desired for them to worship him the same way and not get in their way of worshiping other gods he accepted them as they were amazing when somebody looks at another person and says you can't be jewish you're not jewish being jewish from the old testament scriptures okay from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? All of those the Torah, the Pentateuch we call it, or the Pentateuch, right? Shows us that God if you worship like his people, for his people and do the things of his people, you are his people. I mean, just to put it simply, 
So the racism in the church is, is it's, it's horrible just to say nevertheless. And it bothers me and it boggles my mind that people are still, as Christians in this country, being evangelicals, we are so divided right now based on the simple fact that uh, I don't like I don't like a particular candidate because they're Democratic, or I don't like a particular person because they're Republican, or I don't like this person because they like Trump, and I don't like this person because they like Biden. All of this divisiveness always comes around. But this is the first time in presidential history that I have seen in my lifetime in which now the choosing and the choice happens to rest primarily in the hands of Christians as to who they're going to vote for. And there is such a sharp divide. Now, I'm going to tell you where I stand. And many other people would say, well, no, you'll, you'll lose people who listen to your cast and everything. But, but my personal opinion is that I personally do not favor Trump. I do not favor Trump. Yet I am not a Democrat and I am not a Republican. I am an independent. I look at the character of the individual who I am voting for. Do you hear me? The reason I claim independent is because I don't like um, the democracy aspect of it. I believe that the United States should be run under a theocracy. However, we're never going to get back there. But the one thing that I can tell you is this, that my reasoning for not liking him has everything to do with everything he has shown on television. Everything that he has said on television. Because the Bible speaks this. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People say what they mean and they mean what they say. And they might try to walk it back after a while. But it came out. And that's part of the overflow of what's in their heart. It's in their minds. It's part of who they are. And so when someone says something that's divisive, when someone says something that is uh, uh, rhetoric or considered rhetoric or hatred, hate speech, they mean it because we're not animals that just move out of instinct. We are people who can actually think and speak intelligently. So if someone is just spouting things and they say it out of the course of what they're saying out of emotion, it came out of the sense of here's what your emotions do to you. When you hit a height of emotions, it's like being inebriated. You begin to really speak how you feel at that moment. And see, that's the problem. See, as individuals who are supposed to be speaking truth, we should always be inebriated with truth. But the average Christian does not speak in the line of truth. We're used to wearing masks. We come to church, we say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And no. When some of us are living meal to meal, paycheck to paycheck. No, it's not anybody's business. But you can tell somebody, listen, I'm having a little bit of problem. Please just pray for me. They don't have to know your business, but it's good to stand in solidarity with someone that will pray for you and the issues that you may be having, even if they don't know the issues. 
And these are the things that, 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 that's happening right now. But this divisive nature that's going on in, uh, in the world today. Like I said, I only, I only, I'm only speaking on what I see. You understand when, 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 when things take place and they happen the way they've been happening, you have to look to the leadership of the country. I'm not talking about the economic proudness. I'm not talking about um, jobs that were created. I have something to say about that also, but I'm not going to. What I'm going to say is this particular president has made a point of separating to divide and conquer. God does not do that. Please hear me when I say this. This is from my heart. I have no hatred for this man. But I'm very concerned because even though Christians love to say he is the one that God put there, yes, he allowed him to get there. God will allow man his choice. You can vote in a dictator. God will allow man his choice. We've been given free will and we have the ability to do that, which God may see, have already seen, but God knows is not our best choice, but he is not going to change it and take it from us because that would be interfering with the free will that he gave us from the moment we were created. Because in the garden, he said, there was a tree in the garden. There are two trees. One you may eat of it, the other one don't. When the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will die. He gave us free will. With that, he gave us an unclenching uh, 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 weapon to wield wherever we go. We have the free will to choose what we want to do. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Choose life or death. Choose life. And because of these choices, it hasn't gotten man into um, so much of a quandary so sometimes we're bound by the knowledge that we don't have to choose or we must choose. It always comes down to that. So the one thing that I do want to say is this, uh, in, in, in retrospect, I do want to say this. If we can, as Christians, come together and understand God's choice is sovereign. God may have made the choice. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me let me back that up. God may have allowed the choice. But man made the choice. He's in office because man chose him. God knew what man was going to choose. God will not interfere in man's free will. And everybody says, well, he's in office because, you know, this is who God wanted not necessarily. God knows every outcome of every decision. But he allows us to choose our direction and our path. If that was the case, God wants all of us to be saved. There would be no more. We, we would not have needed Christ to come and spill blood for us, on us. 
Amen. So I, I really want people to begin to think about this thing because this was not about the presidential election. It's more about the racism in the church and racism has cropped up more so because this particular president has incited these, these actions, these things. I don't know many people are speaking about Black Lives Matter and they're saying, oh, they're a terrorist organization, but the KKK has been around for years, years, and they've never classified as a terrorist organization, but they've killed thousands thousands and thousands of black people by burning hanging shooting maiming let's not let's just not go there because we can if we call it tit for tat believe me african americans can say this 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 that nothing it's not going to get us anywhere we will go round about with blaming pointing the finger at blaming to solve the problem we need to get back to the people of God understanding what's going on. We are living in the end times. We are seeing right before our eyes the manifestation. What we need is the manifestation of the sons of God right now because the earth is moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God as the sons of God begin to manifest themselves. And please, ladies, when, when, when you hear me, when I'm speaking about the sons of God, I'm speaking about male and female because God is, uh, God is a God of both male and female. In the Bible, he is called, okay, the many-breasted one, okay? He is both male and female. He created the spirit out of himself. See, the problem that we, we don't say, and let me just, for these last few moments, let me just take you here. What we fail to understand, what we fail to realize is that the things that we don't like in the natural have no bearing in the spiritual. None of them. They have no bearing in the spiritual. They only have bearing here in the physical realm. So when we don't like an individual because they're a transsexual, or they're a homosexual, okay? And we don't like them because they're a criminal or they're a crook or whatever. What we're seeing is the manifestation of the flesh, not of the spirit. Because all spirits, all spirits come from God. Think about it. See, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, so everything belongs to God. We are in God and therefore God is in us. As we live, move and have our being, we are in him as he is in us. So if you can think about it, the depth of that is that an individual who is living a life with another man, that's a man, and another woman that's living a life with another woman, and they're married as a couple. This is fleshly desires. Yes, this is the template before we are supposed to be able to go into the kingdom of God. However, when we look at it from the spiritual perspective, all spirits have their destination back in God. It's the flesh and what was done in the flesh that's going to either burn, okay, or just simply pass away. The flesh always goes back to dust. What we'll be dealing with is the Ruach, the breath of life that God put in us, the spirit of God in us, okay, that, 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 that Holy Ghost that's in us, and the soul in which is the mind, the will of the individual. That's where the free will comes from. They will be judged. They're the things that God is going to look at. 
Okay, but that flesh is going to go back to the dust. So as we begin to learn these lessons and we begin to grow more spiritual as we do our walk, please, beloved, I want you to understand that God loves everyone. He just wants everyone to love everyone else. Amen? Listen, once again, I will tell you I'm Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave. Every Thursday, I have uh, a lecture series that is done. It is on Zoom and it is also on Facebook Live. I'm getting ready to move the Facebook Live over to YouTube so that people can begin to uh, draw to it on YouTube. And I also am going to be podcasting here on Anchor at least once to twice a week. But I will give you the times that I will uh, when I do my ad. Okay, this is a new platform for me. I'm really not used to it. I'm using my mobile device and I'm going to be using my laptop also. Okay, so once again, um, the Prophet's Cave has a lecture series. And also I have a school. Let me just remember to tell you that. I have a school also. It's called the Institute of Prophetic Studies. Uh, if you go onto the Prophet's Cave, you will be able to find the link. You can register onto, uh, onto the class. When I get a minimum of 10 students, I will begin the class. So far, I have three. There are seven slots available before we begin our first class. We will start with uh, Bible Basics 101, which are two lessons that are for free. And then we will go into uh, the Prophets Level 1. And we'll be speaking about uh, the Old Testament prophets. Because before you can learn uh, about the prophetic, you need to know about the Old Testament prophets. Amen. Listen, I love you. God bless you. And uh, please join me again. Uh, today is Tuesday. Uh, my next uh, broadcast, I'm going to slate that I will begin to do this uh, once a week. And if I change it, I will tell you, but it will probably be on a Monday um, that I will begin to do my podcast every Monday and I will do it at seven o'clock and it'll be a half an hour session um, so that we can get into it. And at some point in time, um, I may bring some people on so that we could actually have a dialogue and speak. All right. I love you. God bless you. And I'll see you on the other side. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Grace and peace and a prophet's reward. I'm Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave and the Prophet's Cave Institute of Prophetic Studies. I'm going to use this medium as a, as a medium to speak about the things that I'm truly feeling in reference to the body of Christ. I have a lot of opinions, I have a lot of facts, and I have a lot of history. Now, as you know, those of you who have heard my podcasts from before, I've always been quite straight with you about how I feel in reference to certain things. My latest feelings are now tantamount to uh, a 
a dislike of the episcopacy. Uh, I am a consecrated bishop. I was consecrated in 2009 to the bishopric, but yet have never utilized the authority, the power, nor the title of that particular office. Why? Because prior to that, God had already informed me and told me who I was. I am an apostle of the Lord. And being an apostle of the Lord is a unique, a very unique type of gift because it is often mistook, misunderstood, and applied wrong. It is a gift, not an office. As a matter of fact, let me correct myself. It is a gift and an office. The difference is that with an office, you can put someone in an office by a group more powerful or a group of your peers. But with the apostolic, it is a gift. It comes from God from the moment that you are born. That means before the Lord formed you in his womb, in your mother's womb, uh, you were already gifted with that ability. It remains a native ability until an appointed time. Now, I've had many people fight me on that, but let me let me get back to the, the premise of my conversation here. The premise of my conversation is the episcopacy. And the reason I dislike the episcopacy as much as I do, even though I am an episcopate, it is because under the shroud of mystery, the Roman Catholic Church, when it first began at its inception, hijacked the authority of the apostles. As you look at the modern day church today, what will you find? You will find this one particular thing that there are bishops all over the place. Of course, in the Catholic Church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and you will find those same bishops in the African-American Pentecostal Church due to an egregious error that I find to be extremely wholesomely egregious. Uh, Bishop J. Delano Ellis, or Archbishop J. Delano Ellis, uh, by bringing what the Roman Catholic Church had into the African-American church in the guise of order. I don't fault the man because he did desire to have things in the church in order. We all desire order. However, my problem is that when he did this, he shorted out what should truly be within the African-American community, the place where real power sits. Let me explain. You see, the bishopric, there was never a, a point of reference for why bishops became the power ruling authority in the Christian church. If anyone can go back and look at the historic, the, the historical aspect. What gave the Catholic Church the right to say there are no more apostles, 
And now those that were ordained bishops can now become the ruling authority of the church. Who gave them that right? Let me answer the question for you. No one. They weren't directed by God to do this because the church in and of itself was never supposed to be led by the episcopacy. Never. Ever. Now, I know that there's many people that believe that uh, that it's okay the way it is and that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to do. But I've always believed in the premise that you cannot get good fruit from a bad tree. So how could we dare begin to say that the episcopacy that is a stolen attribute because the bishop is an administrated office of the bishop. It came out of the belly of the apostle. And you cannot have a child running its mother or telling its mother what to do or the household is out of order. I don't know about you, but I have an issue with a child speaking bad about its mother, being disrespectful to its mother, taking authority or usurping authority from its mother. And that is exactly what the episcopacy has done for over a thousand years. Now we are moving in a time in 2020 and we're going forward of absolute apostolic authority. The problem is many of the apostles that you see today are not truly apostles. They are bishops in disguise. Because see, along with the episcopacy taking over the ruling authority in the church, a lot of the African-American Pentecostal bishops feel that they are, they are supposedly apostles. There's a problem. There is a criteria for the apostolic. And like there isn't a, a criteria for the bishopric. Each one is listed in the Bible. Each one is listed in the Bible. The one that most of the bishops are privy to and can move in without haste is the one where you can be the husband of one wife, have good character, um, you know, not be a, a, a drinker, not, you know, slothful, you know, not money hungry, all of that. All of that is all part of that. But it says nothing about signs, wonders, and miracles. Here's my issue. My issue is the fact that many of those bishops cannot live up to that particular aspect. Is it asking a lot? No more than God asking us to be holy. But here's the other problem that I have. The true apostles of Jesus must move in power. Power 
to uh, heal and demonstrate that God is with them. Now, are there bishops who are literally apostles? Absolutely. But they found it a comfortable position to be bishops and they see the authority. The reason why I became a bishop was because at the time in 2009, a lot of individuals were not able to enter into the church being an apostle. We were still coming off of the 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 uh, aspect of the prophetic and the apostolic was not popular, not in any way, any way, shape, for nothing. Oh, listen, that is that is basically my spiel that I wanted to uh, begin to speak to you about. I'll I'll go deeper into uh, this aspect of the episcopacy uh, versus uh, the apostolic. The premise of my ministry is to empower people and I empower them with knowledge. I love to inform people of the things so that they can think about what it is that's not being said. We must begin to think outside of the parameters of four corners. We must. We have to ask questions, especially when it comes down to the body and the bride of Christ. We cannot keep our head in the sand and keep simply shaking our head yes and doing what we're told. We must ask the question, why? Why is it like that? How did it get like that? When is it going to change? And then we have to pick up the mantle and the cross and become the change that is necessary. Listen, I love you. God bless you. And I will see each and every one of you on the other side. God bless. Grace and peace, beloved. This is Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave and the Prophet's Cave Institute of Prophetic Studies. Um, I have a word for you today. I'm also known as the left-handed prophet. Um, I, I want you to think about something. First, about change. Become the change that you want to be. I know you've heard that before. But something struck me as being, I don't know, extremely poignant. And this was, this, this was the case in point uh, when I was listening to what was going on in the news and listening to the changes that's taken place and all the vitriol and the hatred uh, that have been spouted by uh, by Trump supporters. And it is, uh, prophets, focus on that which is eternal and not that which is temporary. Let me say that again. Focus on that which is eternal and not on that which is temporary. What we're seeing now is temporary. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. There's going to be ins, there's going to be outs. There's going to be ebbs, there will be tides. That's all temp. But the eternal things that last, because even we are in this fleshly mortal coil, temporary, our existence. However, our spirit is not. Let's focus on that which is eternal, which is God our Father, Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost on 
where we go when we leave here, how we treat each other here is ultimately going to affect our transition. So I, I, I have to say this, that in all that we do, we must love one another. We have to. We're going to disagree. We're going to agree. But nothing beats the fact that if you love your brother, ultimately, things can change because you have changed. Remember, prayer does change things, okay? But if it doesn't change it immediately, prayer changes you until things change. God bless you. Take care. Once again, this is Dr. Derek Henderson of the Prophet's Cave and the Prophet's Cave Institute of Prophetic Studies. I'll see you on the other side. God bless.